So this is the last evening of the retreat the session together. And, uh, creates a certain sense of occasion to somehow complete or culminate or tie things up. So that uh, you, know, you have a way of noting to yourself what seems significant, what seems important, how you organize yeah, so I have kind of pointed to the quality of the organizer as a kind of compulsion. When it organizes too quickly without actually having, you know, unpacked and laid out what's there and really explored it. And, uh-huh. You know, so often we organize, if we're herding the sheep before we even know we have any sheep. <laughs> you know, so you just, just... But organization is a necessary and valuable um, asset. And to be able to keep... That, that sense of flexibility about how how one is a custodian of Dhamma, of one's practice, of one's clearing of karma, of one's laying down of the burden, of one's coming out of the constrictions, and uh, you know, and you make the notes. So I've certainly tried to encourage people to, you know, to just even. Say, say like write a postcard to yourself <laughs> you know ten points on it or what was your retreat about what seemed came up what seemed significant what seemed important mm-hmm. yeah. and then you so that you have something you take away because you can't you can't uh, mm, you just re- and overestimate the value of such a situation. Maybe you felt you haven't really, you know, done a tremendous amount of meditation, or you haven't been so clear, or whatever. But you'd be surprised just being in these contexts where many things are taken away. You know, it's a renunciation context. Just this in itself does allow things to shift and shake around, and and you know, be seen. Just the, even this, so uh, just the sense of we're not plugging in, we're not um, busy doing stuff, we're trying to create a spacious routine, so we're not even busy meditating in some another project, another task, another set of targets and goals to achieve, and things like that, you know. But um, I do see the whole thing as a time for like a natural unfolding. And listening in to what is what is constrictive, what is familiar old patterns that you're fed up with, really that are not getting anywhere, and where does the new life come from? It's something quite natural, organic. And then how do you how do you organise to make sure you don't forget that you don't go back to the old patterns, the old habits. So you're sort of making note. There's something precious here. Mm. So to organize. 
and uh, interesting enough, because I'm obviously I'm part of this whole retreat, so I'm sitting here doing my bit and uh, interested to see what comes up in my awareness and in my uh, relationship with you all. What happens there out of this sense of, um, you know, trying to support, encourage, be a custodian for you. And um, so what I'm noticing, what I sense is, you know, coming to this evening. And um, interesting enough, I think now's the time for real, uh, you know, clarity and uh, bring things out. I recognise my brain has gone foggy. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> Come on. No, it's gone foggy. <laughs> so then, you know, I can... Mm, brain's gone foggy. And just recognizing that that sense of wanting to, you know, come out with something nice, and clear, and helpful, and feeling, oh dear, yeah, brain's gone foggy. And okay, you know, then right, this is what I'm with, and the feeling of any obligation or disappointment that my brain's done this. <laughs> And it should come up with something else. Like, no, well, that doesn't do any good. Uh, <laughs> just relax. Um, yeah, have a pleasant evening. <laughs> 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 Sorry, is it just you didn't say? <laughs> but having sat with that for half an hour <laughs> oh yes well there is something I could say uh, it probably won't come out as, as good as it should but uh, it's about, about organisation and some of this today very kindly because I you know I enjoy these sessions uh, of what's being said and it does spark things off and somebody's saying about you know boundaries and um, um, you know around obligations and even of helping others and, and the need to to establish uh, boundaries of attention how one attends what one attends to and this is very significant particularly as we as we leave retreat where in a way the boundaries have been established for you you know, the boundaries of the retreat centre, the boundaries of the precepts, the boundaries of behaviour, you know, your, your living space, and really there's nothing much for you to do. It's all there, you're held, it's safe, you're held in a safe place, which is fantastic, that's a great offering. But then, you know, you've got to, you've got to recognise, well, now, you know, you have to look into that area yourself. Now this is the process, what's activated in this is a process called, uh, well I call it deep attention, or wise attention, appropriate attention, Yoni Sikara is the Pali word for it, sometimes an overlooked um, factor, 
but actually very significant because it, it is that which establishes a place for mindfulness. And mindfulness naturally or, or currently gets a lot of the attention um, in terms of, to, of people's interest. Mindfulness is a buzzword. But um, sometimes it's people confuse mindfulness with the various systems that are used to, to use mindfulness, such as you might have mindfulness of breathing, mindfulness of mind, mindfulness, and you can have different techniques that make... This is mindfulness of moment-by-moment pinpoint attention on sensations. Your body is being mindful. Yeah, could be. Um, but... You know, there are there are techniques and systems that use mindfulness. <coughs> you have mindfulness for the military, mindfulness in sport, mindfulness in I don't know, maybe mugging. You know, mindful mugging courses. <laughs> <laughs> Seems to be a, there's, a, there's, a, there's an opening for it, I'm sure, because there's plenty of muggers who could, could use some some coaching. <laughs> <laughs> and essentially it's to, to bear a particular something in mind now this could be your job you know, mindful of your job mindful of your health mindful of your relationships with others you, you bear that in mind you attend to it you give it attention you frame it up mindfulness of body mindfulness of breathing mindfulness of refined sensations mindfulness of moods and thoughts what, what are you going to be mindful of? And deep attention is, is the quality that, you know, scanning, if you like, the day, the life, the person, what should I really frame up in all this, in all this experiencing, this unfolding experiencing, which we have these sense doors that can open in all directions, we have a mind door that is huge. You can open up in all kinds of directions, past, present, future. It's not, it's not contained in space or time. So, you know, there's a huge amount of data that could be coming in. And probably the first thing that one begins to get a sense of, well, there's got to be some restraint here, uh, some, some uh, choosing, because just to be open as an as a ideology is not a good idea at all because <laughs> uh, you open as you get flooded mm-hmm. so one has to say what do you want to give attention to and uh, the buddha said well one wisely attends one deeply attends to subjects that are worthy of deep attention <laughs> and what is that topics whereby unskillful states do not arise skillful states arise Unskillful states, if arisen, tend to decline. Skillful states, if not arisen, tend to grow. Um, this is how one attends wisely. Mm. So, what do you look at? Mm. What do you listen to? What do you read? Where do you go? Mm. Where do you go in town? Where do you go? Who do you, you know? These are things to not just sort of go take for granted because anything that we connect to, give attention to, that becomes the object of one's mind. It comes into one's heart, mind, one's body, mind, 
and there's naturally there's effects of that and to you know, to recognize a sense of scrupulousness not you know uptight but there's a value attention is valuable it's a valuable asset and we shouldn't just throw it onto any old thing you know let, it, let the door swing flap in the wind and take any old thing that comes along so um, just even um, travelling I do a lot of travelling and uh, going to different places I don't do a lot of sightseeing touring I mean I might have the occasional somebody takes me out for a special thing by and large I recognise most of it is just uh, not not, you know doesn't doesn't really need doesn't really merit a great deal of attention look at the flight look at the baggage allowance get to the gate and just what needs to be given attention to is what's happening in the body mind uh, and you know because rather you know and this is a time when of course one could just be reading something looking around doing something other and uh, and using that quality of attention in a not very focused way careless way mm-hmm. so recognizing that looking at the opportunity looking at what's important significant so when i was traveling Rizal was traveling in a uh, like a minibus in thailand <coughs> with a group of monks and you, you know you could look out the window at the stores flashing by and people on bikes and things like that yeah so I just sat and thought I'm travelling in a minibus with six six or seven monks my friends feeling comfortable and safe with my friends focus on that that's the meditation you know beings who are committed to precepts beings it's not really a lot of ideas just the sense of being in good company and that's that's all that's necessary you don't need to look at lots of stuff you just sit and focus on that or I might sit and bring to mind um, beings, people <coughs> you know, who everyone's is concerned for affection for um, you know, grateful for and dwell in that much better than looking at another flight magazine or uh, watching the watching stuff flash by the window, which is not going to do me any good, really. It's not wrong. Certainly not wrong. It's just my bother. <laughs> yeah. And so, in this way, one does find. Well, I find there are many, many times a day when I can, <coughs> you know, meditate if you like. <coughs> I mean, it's not sort of sitting there, bolt upright, focusing on refined sensations in the body, but it's a sense of there's awareness, there's attentiveness, there's heedfulness, and there's a sense of what's helpful, what's not helpful. And maybe this isn't, you know, uh, 
fantastic, but it's at least there's a choice. And it could be that way, which would be just be so what? Or it could be something where that one arrives in a collected, composed way. One hasn't just blown energy out all over the place. So my last flight here from Singapore, it's quite a long flight, and um, you know, sitting out, those little seats weren't designed for bodies like this. <laughs> you sit there for a while, you don't want to watch the videos, it's just people getting shot and <laughs> shouting at each other. And then they treat, I don't want to eat the food because it's not, not you know. So, I ended up just going to the galley and doing half an hour of Qigong, standing there. These <laughs> <laughs> four little air stewardess kind of skirting through <laughs> this strange, grotesque figure standing inside <laughs> the galley, his arms out. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, she did very well, really. <laughs> and you know, it wasn't. Well, I was doing it to one side, so it didn't get in the way. And I thought, well, that's what I can give attention to. I can just give attention to this, this body, feeling the energy in it. Then I'm containing it, collecting it, gathering it, and looking after it. So you know, arrived in Johannesburg, you know, reasonable state. Of, of mind and body, so that I was able to just, you know, after a, what was it, ten-hour flight or so, and a, a rather slow process through Johannesburg Airport because all the we got there and all the electricity blew, so people bumbling around in the darkness trying to find out what was going on. <coughs> so there was that, and then just getting into Johannesburg, being looked after, and then forty-five-minute nap, and that was enough. Because I hadn't just, you know, squandered energy. So there is a, you can use attention to, to keep your energy intact. You know, you all need it, and it goes out into everything you give attention to. And it seems to me that, you know, by and large, you people, you know, you're bushed, you're tired, you're, you're shot. You know, you kind of. <laughs> You do too much. There's too much going on in your lives, more than you can really handle. And then the mind just gets stuck in it, thinking of it all the time, because it wants to know what to do. Yeah, about this, about that. What about this, about that? About her, about that, about oh no, about what can I do about? And so you stay stuck in that. And say, what to do is to conserve your energy. That's what to do. You know, look after your home base. That's what to do. Uh, you know, establish this. Otherwise, the rest of it isn't going to work at all. And maybe during this retreat, what I would really be happy to hear was that you have found, you've acknowledged that, the need for um, self-regeneration. Uh, you could say protection or custodianship. You look, learn to look after yourself. And you learn to recognize you have to have time to gather energy. It, you know, you can't just keep throwing it out 
on all kinds of good things, needed things, important things, urgent things, it doesn't stop. Mm. And your mind keeps remembering another important, mm. urgent thing because it gets stuck in that loop and proliferates. So you just recognize that, that, that sign, you know, that, that quality, where there's always that pressure or push to, you know, and become, make something happen, fix something, sort somebody out, remember the next thing. That, you know, that scenario, and you make different flavors of it, but that scenario, you can't stay in that zone. If you do, you, you know, you, well, you can, you get locked in it, but it's going to run you down and it will, it will still, you'll never get it done. You'll never get to the end of it. This is called samsara. It just goes on. And the sense of being able to, feeling it's your, not just your rights, your responsibility to viveka, to disconnect from that not as some final statement, but certainly as some negotiation. Now is the time. That's enough. I can feel the stress level. You know, naturally, we can't exactly say, you know, next three minutes and that's all, we're going to go over. But that's okay. You know, it's not about being absolutely razor sharp on it. We do overextend for the welfare of others, and that's fair enough. We do the walk the extra mile, that's beautiful. But then you, you know you have done that. Okay, now's the time. You've got to start looking around for where where does the discharge occur? You know, that must be the priority. So to to find that wisely attending to the texture and the quality of one's mind. So we look at we wisely attend to context, situation, to uh, you know what around us is worth giving attention to. We also wisely attend. We begin to know our karmic patterns, and with wise attention, we recognise that and say, "Yeah, you know, Joe, you've been here before. You know that pattern. It's now time to look for some time to just put it down." this is the function of wise attention to be a guardian for us and then we can frame up with mindfulness <coughs> okay this is a theme to be mindful of and just again to, to emphasize mindfulness itself is not a technique it's a natural function of mind called one of the universal properties of mind. There's always something, is fr- mind always frames things up. So it's not a technique. You can have techniques like, you know, like we have muscles and strength. We can have techniques that develop particular muscles and strengths, that's true. But that, those, those techniques are not muscles and strength. They are, they are things to develop them. And you can, u- you can use techniques and systems to direct mindfulness in certain ways, that's all fair enough. But it doesn't mean that if you don't do the technique, you can't be mindful. Yeah. Mindfulness is a natural function. 
of the mind. You frame something up. The issue really is not about mindfulness, it's about what is the mind anyway, and what is the what is the action of framing things up? Well, the action of framing things up, of establishing mindfulness, is called deep attention. It decides, not that, not that, not that, stay with this. Now, this could be a thought, a recollection, a physical sensation, an awareness of context. It could be anything that you just, right, there it is. How's that? And you bear it in mind. Now, when you bear something in mind, it's diff- mindfulness is different from attention. Attention is the measure, the measuring stick. Um, it creates a frame of it, it's that which creates a frame of reference. Mm-hmm. So it's a precursor to mindfulness, and there can be wrong attention as well as right attention as well as deep attention and mindfulness will just follow unwise attention so we can be mindful bear in mind things that are not skillful or don't or even aren't getting to the point you know you're missing the point of what we should be being mindful of I like to tell this very simple story because it's a, it's a funny story about a young chap I knew who was at a retreat centre and he was doing this very very detailed mindfulness practice of noting sensations in the hands and the movements of the body and the qualities of how moment by moment things happen. He had this sense of mindfulness being a moment by moment scrutiny of what came into attention and yeah you, you can do that so he had that and he was doing his walking up and down slowly and he had this thought arose in his mind lovely thought make a cup of tea for tea for the teacher make a cup of tea for some thought no make a cup of tea for teacher skillful thought note let the thought go move turn round move towards the door Move towards the door, lifting, t- walking, door handle, noticing door handle, turning door handle, pulling door handle back, uh, sound of door creaking, yeah. concern about upsetting other people, note that, let it go, walk through door, go walking down, see kitchen, kitchen, note kitchen, awareness of kitchen, come to hot water, <coughs> hot water tank, yeah. See hot water tank, no hot water tank. Yeah. And uh, where the, the tea urn, the tea urn, hand moving towards spigot, faucet, uh, hand turning, hand turning spigot, noting something wrong, <laughs> noting something wrong, noting no cup. <laughs> Water going on floor. <laughs> ah. So, <laughs> did the man have mindfulness? Yeah, I think he certainly. It sounds like it was quite impressive, really. <laughs> but the attention was actually wasn't appropriate. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't open enough to really 
survey what's needed to make a cup of tea. That is a cup and some tea. <laughs> you know, so the old question comes up, could you mindfully rob a bank, you know? Noting bank, <laughs> noting gun, noting, you know, this kind of thing. So, well, uh, you know, you might do, but it'd be called wrong mindfulness. Because <laughs> the proper attention hasn't been placed, like, which is a very, you know, which co- deep attention connects to the right view. Right view, which is, there is a result of good and bad deeds, there's a moral sense to it, there's, an, there's, an, there's a... Um, there are consequences to what I do therefore perhaps be mindful of not robbing a bank will be better uh, which, noticing that urge and realising this is not skillful that might be better <laughs> uh, and again with uh, mindfulness it can can seem to be something that's because this this sense of having something that's quite you know, rational and, and ability to structure what we where we put attention there's a nice kind of clean uh, sense to it you know, there's a nice sort of scientific sense to it but uh, unfortunately well this isn't the mind or well, this is only one aspect of mind uh, and so we say you know really to be mindful means bringing being really relating things to the mind not just to the rationality process aspect and what is mind well again the english word has certain nuances the pali word is chitta and it means a range of things it means something that has intention something that is affected, something that's sensitive, something that's responsive. Um, and as, you know, it's not even a thing, it's a, 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 a dynamic of being affected, responding, sensitive, empathic, uh, having impulses for good and bad, um, being affected by anxiety and joy. That's chitta, you know, it's the, it's the, the spot where I am. And this is what when we are mindful attention presents a suitable object to bear in mind to take into this place and know it sense it that's you know, to to right mindfulness or samma samadhi or proper or completed or most fulfilling mindfulness is is that it, it takes so then we we're able to know and sense the causes and effects of our actions and that's invaluable uh, the causes and effects, the conditions that trigger our actions and the results of them and then you're really doing something massively valuable because a lot of the triggers of our actions we haven't examined them oh well you're supposed to do this, aren't you? I always do it this way, well why? Well, everybody does it like this. Are you sure everybody does it like this? Or one of the great ones is, it needs to be done. It. Where's that? 
and it needs to be done easy translates into I've got to do it which is a different thing altogether so when things transfer into the third person it or they they expect me to do this have you you, really? is that what's happening now? in your mind? Uh, is there a whole group of people sitting in there saying we expect you to do this? I don't think so I think the they is actually you (laughs) I think the it is you Not, not something out there not an abstraction, but is that, what does that mean? Well, it means the feeling of guilt. Oh, that's interesting. That's not skillful, you know? Or it means the feeling of, uh, I need to prove I'm okay. I make sure I, I don't deserve. Um, unless I... Oh, that's now, that's interesting. When we really uncover the hot spot of the mind and instead of transferring into they or I always or everybody does or they, it needs or yeah, or this was the you know this was the plan we take it into abstract we take it to the, the felt experience and the, is the felt experience there's a real uh, interest and joy or warmth or sense of determination and yes I want to be there for it or is it just this kind of I suppose I've got to or they want me to or it ought to be or life's like that or you know or you can't just do what you want all your life you've got to one of these kind of little nagging um, phrases from somewhere so you start to reveal that this is uh, then another quality uh, comes in called Dhamma Vijaya. Dhamma Vijaya means you explore Dhammas. And Dhammas mean, in this sense, moments of experience, moments of jitta experience, the real essence of jitta experience. Right? What's the, really the point, the living point there that's actually resonating, touching? So this is a very valuable and uh, a practice that re- requires deep attention. It's so certainly one. Um, it's good to you know, have time, even on retreat or not on retreat, where you just run through some of your messages. <laughs> some of these recorded messages and uh-huh uh-huh you know with their sounds and their moods and how's that feel how's that what's the essence of that now yoni somni sikara helps this process of getting to the point and then <coughs> in which i explore that particular point i think i've mentioned on occasion when you get these narratives, these thought streams running through, two, which are quite complex, this is called the papancha process, where things become complex and, and multi, multi-fold. Multi-fold. Yeah. Um, 
What's the one word that sums this whole thing up? What's the one word that would sum this up? And it might be busy, or it might be problem, or it might be uh, excited, or it might be, uh, you know, whatever. These aren't necessary, it's not kind of like, we're not looking at academic standards, just ordinary street level language to describe. What's the one word that sums this up? Hungry, needy, bored, excited, full, rich, warm. But generally these running trains of thought, they're running because they are actually aspects of dukkha and they they are not uh, feeling warm, feeling contented. They are feeling something's missing, um, restless, groundless. Groundless. Don't know where I am. You know, well, you know, something like that. So, therefore, you know, and so there's this mind is running. So you just, and it doesn't really matter what word you use, but you, you, well, you don't think about getting it right. You just start to try and sum it up in your own words, the one word that, that really sums up that whole process, that train of thought. What's the mood of it? Fed up, you know, disappointed in myself. Okay, that's great. Because now you can get to the point. And you get to the point and you explore that, that point. You frame it up. So as I was saying, you know, just another example, you know, sit, sitting here and feeling rather tired and not having a lot, feeling rather foggy in the brain and then think, oh, evening, you know, to give a talk and say something. I was really going to talk, what should I talk about? Mm, don't like the sound of that. What's that? What's that? Mm. What's the point? Sense of obligation. <clears throat> yeah. How does that feel? Not skillful. Not skillful. So just just to relax. Maybe there'll be something to say, maybe there won't. But that sense of, suppose I'm supposed to come up with something that's not skillful. It's coming from the wrong place. Just relax, be with that. Let yourself feel a bit sort of unfocused and foggy. Ah, the point here is to relax. You've said enough, day after day.
surely it's enough by now. Yeah. Yeah, true. Yeah. Just relax. Mm. Oh. Well, I could talk about <laughs> so, once you, you know, come out of that negative mindset, yeah, sure, there's people here, something to say, you know, oh, we're at boundaries, so, you know, so it just kind of comes back. So these are not, you know, none of this is, none of this is ultimate fixed positions, it's just knowing the point to touch to where one's going into un- unskillful states, often unexamined unskillful states, because... By and large, I reckon most of us would not act deliberately upon an unskillful state. You might actually lose your temper. But I imagine most of us would not notice a state of mind was unskillful and then go ahead on it, if you really knew it. So we go ahead feeling, you know, slightly negative, compulsive, uh, 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 you know, or people want, or I'm supposed to do this, and it's it's not it's not skillful. But it doesn't mean I'm never going to do anything. It means just right now, you need to release that state and review when that state's released. Review the context, the see the scenario when that state has been dissolved. See what comes up. This is a way which one is able to reorganize. Instead of having a strategy there you've got to meet, that's not skillful. Relax. Let that pass. One minute, five minutes, ten minutes, fifteen minutes, half an hour, day, you know, (laughs) whatever. And then, ah. Then you can reorganize from a wholesome place. And it helps one to to keep reviewing, actually, what is valuable for me now? What is beautiful now? What is possible now? And over time in life, those those things change. This process of Dhamma Vijaya, uh, really coming into the, the, the real point of the chitta at any moment, when it's stressed, suffering, coming beneath the abstractions into the actual, actuality of it, owning up to the reality of where you're really at. So that's part of it. You have to touch the reality of it. I should, I ought to, I want, I need to, people want me to. It ain't there. <laughs> you know, for now. Okay, and own up to it. And then, Vijaya is a process of handling, carefully handling that which has been revealed, touched into, revealed itself, the truth of your chitta at this moment, to be handled, because that's the truth of it. And out of the truth, all that can arise is a skillful state. 
when there's no delusion, when there's no compulsion, all that can arise is a skillful state. Mostly, the major problem is delusion, aspects of delusion. Greed is a problem, probably we're aware of that flaring up. Hatred is a problem, probably we can recognise gross hatred and subtler levels of hatred as you meditate, you begin to recognise ill will will you carry towards yourself. But delusion is subtle and difficult to see. We need Dhamma Vijaya, Yoni Solmani Sikara, deep attention and wise exploration to reveal it. The Buddha himself said of these characteristics, you know, greed and lust are, they are um, relatively easy to, to see and to pull back from. And hatred, relatively <coughs> highly blameworthy, relatively easy to see. Delusion is difficult to see. Mostly what happens, how delusion occurs, is the mind goes into these abstracts or creates fantasy scenarios of what I should, what they want, the future is, what people or everybody does, you know, fantasy notions that cloud and mask what's really happening. And the the really inspiring thing to recognize is if you're true, if there's truth in the citta, all that can arise is a skillful state. It may not be the skillful state that, you, that you're looking for, but it will be a skillful state. And then it may be just a sense of kindness, goodwill, it may be a sense of uh, clarity, it may have a sense of confidence, it may have a sense of just. Well, what you need to do right now is just get grounded. And when I say skillful state, this is not like for the rest of my life. This means for now, this is the appropriate thing. Get grounded, otherwise you're not going to be fit and capable. Once you touch the point and you feel the resonance of that, (coughs) chitta is resonant. If it doesn't resonate with this, uh, then it hasn't really touched yet. It's still just an idea, theory. The real thing, the real aspect of jitta has always got a resonance to it. There's a a slight shimmer of recognition. Subtle maybe, but mm, uh heard it. Mm. And then our, I don't know, our obligation, our duty, our truthfulness as well, we to have to follow that. Even if it's just for the next one minute, five minutes, one hour. So these by no means, it's not giving you abstract notions of the rest of my life, but getting you in touch with your truthfulness. And if you live in accordance with your truthfulness, only skillful states can arise you, there must be progress in terms of Dhamma. And there must be a beautiful unfolding for you in a way that you may not have recognized. 
explore, handle. And remember, exploring dhammas, handling them, and we must be careful even what we call experience. So, you know, like we say, angry, angry, feeling angry. Generally, if you say that word, you're going to say, stop, don't, don't feel that bad. The, the reflex is so immediate, you know. Uh, feeling, feeling sad, don't, you know. Uh, there's this reflex that occurs. So sometimes you just kind of, what it actually is, is the felt sense of that, like a, a gathering or a pushing or a, a rushing or a warming or a fluttering. So you really get into the quality of it as a dhamma. A jitta doesn't use the language of the brain. It doesn't use that language. It doesn't use that language. It uses language of perception, which means feeling space, feeling strong, feeling shaky, feeling warm, feeling... It, it feels. The saying is, all dhammas, all moments of direct experience crystallize, converge on feeling. If it's still out in the verbal f- form, that's okay, but you're going to track the verbal form to what really happens in your is happening in your heart. What does he want to do? This gets really interesting. And somebody was saying today, you know, just experiencing tension as we do tension in Qigong and just translating instead of calling the word tension because as soon as you say the word tension the idea is well relax bad don't be tense but with Qigong we deliberately go into places of tension and saying well just just call it heat because it is heat in the arms just imagine that suddenly it's no longer a negative thing we have to get rid of so the, the feeling and around the feeling the perception. The perception is a designation, the how it's what's called. And the designation is extremely significant. All, all mental experience comes from perception, from designations. The stab in the heart is a perception. So as we begin to get closer to what's really going on, then we have Dhammavijaya, and there's a quality of energy that can gather into that to explore. And the jitta moves towards truth, moves towards completion, moves to the end of, inclines towards the end of suffering. To, because that's what it's supposed to do. That's its nature. That's what it's been seeking all along. Isn't it? Nobody wants to suffer. It's been seeking it all along, but it's been seeking it by in the, looking in the wrong way. Yeah. We're looking in the wrong way for it, looking in the wrong place. And it's actually very simple. Well, it's not. It's simple, but it's not easy to be that on the mark. 
you know. So this is a process for you to consider as we come to the time when you know you can loosen things up, think things over, you're going to be revisiting your your life messages, probably they've been coming back, but now they come with a certain sense of, hey, tomorrow, you know, things start uh, before you jump. Listen to those. You know, it's such, it's such and such a morning, job begins, or I need to find a job, or I've got to fix the car, whatever it is. Just listen to those messages, and before you jump, what's happening? What's, good, what's really happening with this? And then you can almost do the same thing, but from a slightly different angle. So, organizing. But organizing around truth, the truth of the citta, rather than organizing around notions and abstractions and theories. Some of these abstractions and theories, naturally, you know, we, we struggle with what is compassion, what is kindness, what is goodwill. And again, uh, you know, somebody was mentioning this, you know, compassion, trying to help other people. Uh, you know, and eventually feeling really tired of helping everybody, <laughs> trying to help people and feeling rather tired. And then starting to get a bit exhausted and then slightly, you know, impatient. Why don't they get it together and a bit frustrated and then sooner or later feeling slightly negative about it all. And then the, the sense of, well, I shouldn't feel that way. I should be more compassionate. Because <laughs> yeah. compassion as a theory is a beautiful idea. But as a direct experience, so there you you realise well, the com- compassion has to be carefully held, and then you have to listen to it, and you listen to the quality of compassion rather than you, you have the problem there, the problem of. Well, you know, you name them. Other people's problems, you have that there, and you can sense that, and you can sense yourself being moved by that. And the compassion, certainly to allow oneself to be moved in the heart, that doesn't necessarily mean action. Action certainly based on compassion, has to be bounded with wisdom. And wisdom creates, to others as to myself, um, wisdom is the ability to discern when skillful or unskillful states. And so that, with that quality of compassion, we begin to be wise about it and recognize, well, it is impossible for any of us to enter somebody else's mind and change it. Isn't that so? It's probably 
very rare that you can enter somebody else's body and fix something unless you're a trained physician. It's extremely unlikely that you can, you know, enter into, you know, a society or a neighborhood and make everything work. Yeah, a problem area. Very unlikely that you can do that. When you consider that perhaps you can't even sort yourself out. <laughs> so, so how are you going to do it to... But you see these, all these problems here. Oh my goodness! Yeah, that's yeah. Certainly, there's a, there's, a, there's the arising of that sense of concern and compassion. But when it comes down to the pragmatism, well, if you can't sort yourself out, you're going to sort everybody else out. <laughs> so you recognise, yeah. Is it possible that just standing in the being in the presence of with a compassionate heart and not knowing what to do, that out of that something can arise. Or maybe this is where we have to be quite careful of boundary, like, I cannot fix you. You know, this, it doesn't, that doesn't happen. But I also don't find it helpful to shut you out. That's not right either to stand in the presence of, with an open heart, listening. Uh How to organize an action. Waiting. And sometimes, you know, these, these actions based upon the meaning of compassion, which is sympathy with, is basically just a sense of yes that sounds difficult yes oh that sounds painful that feels, I'm moved by that this is the quality of compassion and it may be from that recognition particularly when you're with people who are suffering just that they, they sense that the <coughs> suffering or their pain is, is affecting you, is moving you that may be exactly the quality that's needed for them to feel less alone. Where suffering becomes stuck is when suffering throws us into I'm on my own, I'm helpless, I can't do anything, I'm stuck, I'm finished. I'm stuck in this. And then the proliferation starts. And maybe the first primary quality of compassion is to to resonate and even to say, actually, this is the same for everybody. This yes, this is painful. Everybody gets this. Everybody gets this in essence. And you must say that again and again until a person hears it. You may have remember the story of Kisa Gautami in the suttas, just to bring it to mind again. It's the... Uh, she has... Her baby has died, 
So she's in tremendous grief and anguish. Her, her lovely baby has died. And she goes to the Buddha very distraught. You know, maybe this this holy man can bring him back to life. You know, they've got special powers. Maybe he can bring him back to life. Maybe he can solve this thing. And the Buddha says, yeah, I think I can help you. Um, go to the local village and get a mustard seed. Bring it back to me. Oh, no, no problem. They must have mustard seed. Oh, right. no. Just a minute. Go to get when you go to the house, get a mustard seed from a house where nobody's died. Okay, she rushes down, knocks on the door. Can you give me a mustard seed? Sure. Oh, has anybody died in your house? Oh, please. You know, my husband died last week. I'm sorry. Okay. Next house, doctor. Can I have a mustard seed? Yeah, sure, sure. I'll give you a mustard seed just a minute. Has anybody died here? <sighs> My son got killed in the war last month. I'm still sorry about it. Okay, thank you. Next door, and so on. Yeah. Please don't remind us of our grief. You know, our beloved mother passed away last year. We're still in pain. She goes to the whole village. And by the time she got to the end of the village, her grief, her distress has subsided into, into compassion. We're in this together. And she goes back to the Buddha and the Buddha says, yeah, now the suffering has ended, hasn't it? You can now bury the baby. So suffering is different from sorrow, in a way. Sorrow can change into <coughs> compassion when we sense, you know, we're not out there alone. In a way, yeah. But it's necessary to have what the Buddha provided in that situation it wasn't just compassion, it was the pragmatic wisdom to keep bringing the person to the point, again and again. Acting it, presenting it, bringing it to the point again and again, until they got it. They were able to cure their own suffering, not even by doing anything, but just by resonating in accordance with truth. And this is then actually, in a way, far deeper than just... Um, fixing the problem. When a per if we, we were able to help people to resonate in accordance with truth, they gain in confidence, they gain in, in autonomy, they gain in in understanding and they and they and so they gain enormously in that. And it may be of course the case that we can from that, oh yeah, we could do this. We could do something, you know. Action can, can proceed from the moment of truth. And just to bring each other to that moment of truth. <coughs> and see action can then proceed from there. Again, it's another example of how the reflex to jump into an action occurs before deep attention, before getting to the point, before exploration. And whenever that happens, the, the, the suffering doesn't end. 
you just push it along the road a little longer. So these are important faculties to to cultivate, um, so that one, as it says, in this world of difficulty, one remains in touch, confident, true, and you know, it's called the highest blessing. <laughs>